Hey there, Pastor Mark Jordan here from Hope Church. Thank you for stopping by and welcome to our online ministry. While you're here, make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date on all the content that's released. And while you're online, visit us at our webpage at placeofhope.org. Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him. And we hope that this message today is helpful and inspiring for you as you continue to take your next step on your faith journey. Once again, thanks for visiting us and make sure to check us out at placeofhope.org. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Hope Church. If we have not yet met, my name is Mark. I am the pastor here and I am delighted to see each and every one of you here this morning as we begin a new message series. Now, for any of our uh, families and friends that might be here on Wednesday evenings, this is the same basic series that Pastor Brent is doing with our HSM students. But he and I, uh, we're not collaborating or coordinating. We're going to take two completely different takes to it. Uh, so uh, don't think that just because maybe you've seen the artwork before that you don't have to pay attention. Because uh, there will be a quiz at the end, right? There always is. Um, probably won't be administered by me, but you know, anyway. I guess it wasn't all that funny. But anyway, so we are, we're looking at the book of Galatians, and we're going to look at this uh, through the next you know, six weeks or so. And every year or so, I like to try to do a message series based entirely around a book of the Bible. We've done James, we've done Nehemiah, and my tenure here and today, we're starting the book of Galatians. And the book of Galatians is so good. It is so pertinent. It's relatively short. Uh, if you would like, you can certainly sit and read it in one sitting. Uh, I listened to it on my way into the church this morning, double speed on my Bible app, uh, and, and got all the way through Galatians in the first chapter of Ephesians. So it's really that short. You can listen to it uh, in about 10 to 15 minutes if you would like. So the book of Galatians is a really uh, accessible and digestible uh, book that is so good and so important for uh, the follower of Jesus. And as we work through it, I believe you will see, and one of the reasons I think God spoke to Brent and me individually about this, uh, about this letter, about this book, is that we'll be able to see some parallels that were taking place in the time uh, as the Apostle Paul was going and spreading the good news through uh, the Gentile regions. Now, why do I say Gentile? Because I'm speaking very simply as non-Jewish. As the church was beginning to spread through the world, there were those who were focusing primarily on the Jewish areas, and there were those others, like Paul, who were focusing primarily on the Gentile areas. And so as Paul would go out and he would go on his missionary journeys, he would go into these towns and these cities, and he would essentially establish or plant a church. And so what we have today is a correspondence that Paul wrote to the church that he set up in the little city known as Galatia, that's why it's called the book, or the really more appropriately, the letter to the Galatians. Now, if you might not have been aware of this, most of our New Testament are actually letters that Paul, or Peter, or John, or James, that they wrote, and they sent to either people or people groups. And so when we look at the book of Galatians, it is specifically a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Galatia. And we're going to look into why this is important here in just a moment. But one of the things that's interesting is Galatians is probably Paul's first letter. We don't know that exhaustively or exclusively, 
But the book of Galatians is probably the first letter that the Apostle Paul wrote. And we're going to look into that as to why. But primarily, the big umbrella content, which fits so beautifully and so perfectly with the majority of Paul's writings, is it is trying to emphasize that we find salvation by grace through faith. Now, let's break that down really quickly. Salvation that means we are saved by grace. That means that this is what God gives to you. He freely, he freely offers it to you. And through faith means we accept it. Now, this is going to be important as we work through our content today. But to remember that. Salvation comes by God to us. And it is realized in our faith. In other words, there's nothing even all the computer alerts in the world could do to let you know that there's no way for you to be saved except by the love and the grace of God that he freely offers and he freely gives it to you. And all you have to do is accept it. Which brings us into a unique tension between God's nature and human nature. This idea of tension is something that has been on my mind for about the last four to six weeks. When I consider all the various things that we deal with in life where we experience tension right have you think about it think about some of those areas in your life where you experience tension now on the surface when we experience tension in some of these areas it feels almost conflicting or contradictory or troubling like, I want to know that there's a, such a strong, solid conviction on one side or the other. And I don't like the fact that there is tension between the two. But you think about a tightrope walker. How successful is a tightrope walker without tension? Have you ever been to a ropes course? Maybe it's a leadership training thing or a group training thing. Have you ever done a ropes course? And maybe you had to get all the people in your group from one side to the other across a rope, but the rope is not taut? What ends up happening when you don't have that tension? You wiggle and you wobble, and you might fall down. That's weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. Anyway, sorry, I had my uh, metaphors mixed up. <laughs> so the tension is required to be able to walk between one extreme to the other. The tension that we're going to explore throughout this entire series, when we think about the book of Galatians or Paul's letter to the Galatians, is the idea about following rules, knowing the right thing to do and then doing it, and know that we are free from the rules. That sounds contradictory, doesn't it? It sounds conflicting. You are free from following all the rules, but yet if we don't follow the rules, we end up going crazy. We need boundaries. We need to know that there is a tension for us to follow. We recently got a new puppy. And if you look at my hands, you can see the result of what happens when someone has not yet learned the boundaries and the rules. You can see the incredible amount of consumption we are doing of paper towels and floor cleaners and know that there is something about the boundaries and rule following that is important. But there's also something I am relearning and reinforcing in my own spirit. 
that comes when about trying to set those boundaries and set the rules is love becomes the foundation and the foundational aspect of it. I love my little Millie. She took a nap yesterday and got up and she was two inches taller. I'm sure uh, the Olsons and the Ritters can agree we all have puppies from the same litter. Uh, but the thing that is so amazing about it is I am choosing to love this puppy, even though she is making a mess of my flesh and my pores. And I'm not completely sure, but I had a pair of glasses get destroyed yesterday and a zipper fall off a jacket. I'm not saying she's responsible for it, but right now it'd be hard-pressed for me to think of anybody else. But I choose to love that puppy in spite of all the messes and the misses and the mistakes. But here's the beautiful thing. Is because she knows that I love her, because she knows that uh, even though I might be tempted uh, to ship her off somewhere, I choose to hold her and to love her and to clean up those messes and to deal with the misses because that is how we're going to establish this beautiful relationship with each other. Friends, that's how God works with us. We are free in that love and that grace and that mercy of God. And instead of being so caught up and consumed with rule following, God wants us to go his way out of a response of love. Are you following that? Does that make sense? I hope it does. And we're going to continue to look through this as we go through the series. But that is going to be the foundational aspect. God's nature is one of love. God chooses to love us even when we make a mess of the flesh and the floors and all the areas of our lives. God still loves us. And our nature is, is we, we know we need to follow the rules. And sometimes we think that following the rules is all we got to do. But it's so much more than that. It's about a response. And it's about coming to God and saying, I recognize, I realize that I have made a mess of things. Forgive me. Don't cast me out in your love. And help me to know in all ways and all things that I have a place in your family. That's the message of the gospel. And so let's dig again to our first main installment in our survey through the book of Galatians, chapter 1. Reading this morning out of the first chapter, verses 6 through 12, using the New International Version. So this is Paul writing, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. This is the word of God for God's people. Let's give thanks to God. Amen. All right, so the first thing I want us to hone in on really quickly is how the Apostle Paul said, so quickly. <laughs> so quickly could basically be a matter of months or up to a year. And so when you think about what Paul is saying here is that all that time he spent, all the work that he did, 
in a relatively short period of time, a year or less, the people had already begun defecting to a different gospel, using my square quote fingers, a different gospel. Does that resonate with you? Because it resonates with me. I think back to the gospel narratives, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where we see the account of how Jesus interacted with the disciples and the rest of the world. And of course, he died for our sins to be the appropriation for sin that we can never pay on our own and to receive and to accept the wrath of God that we can never endure on our own. That even while Jesus was there walking and working with the disciples, that so quickly the disciples would miss the point of what he was trying to teach. One of my favorite, most illustrative verses that I can think of, and I I try to reference this a lot, is when Jesus is looking at the disciples after they've messed up again, and he's like, how much longer do I have to put up with you? Is that to say, go ahead and nail me to the cross, because that is less torturous than what you're putting me through right here and right now. Now, I say that with a little bit of tongue-in-cheek action, but Friends, the result is essentially the same. So quickly, we have these encounters and these experiences with God, these holy moments, and then so quickly we can slip out of that. God's nature versus human nature. So quickly we can miss the point and miss the mark. Now then Paul talks about, he references false teachers. Now the false teachers, as it pertains to this, uh, deals specifically with those people who are going back into these new churches that Paul had established in the Gentile regions and told them that they basically had to become Jewish before they could become Christian. That Judaism was the pathway to Christianity. Now Paul's gospel all along is that Christianity is the pathway to God. Judaism was trying to instill upon them the idea that they have to, guess what, follow rules in order to receive salvation. And Paul's like, no, you don't have to follow rules except that Jesus Christ died for you on the cross and in your sin you have been freed and forgiven and you have been saved. It's not the rules that save you, it's the faith in God's grace. Now, of course, there is going to be a responsibility on the flip side of this and we're going to spend more time on this in future weeks. This doesn't mean that we can go and live willy-nilly however we want there is a certain amount of responsibility that comes in knowing the gospel. But the false teachers, bless you, the false teachers specifically in this regard are trying to tell people that in order to get to Christianity, you've got to go through Judaism. Now, why could this be such a sticking point? Well, I'm glad you asked because I'm going to tell you. One of the primary rules and laws for men, as it were, to come into Judaism, is if you had not yet been circumcised, you had to be circumcised before you could become part of the Jewish heritage. Now, I'm not going to speak for any other guys in here, but the idea of having to do that before coming to faith might be a game changer. It might be a deal breaker, right? And so the Apostle Paul is dealing with this with grown adult men who are facing the reality that they may have to be circumcised in order to come into faith, they're like, oh, sorry, I'm just, uh, I, I can't go all the way there. The false teacher is saying you've got to follow these rules before you can receive salvation. Paul's like, it's not the rules that save you. It's the love of God and your faith in that. And so you can go back and look at Acts chapter 15 where uh, that outlines the council of Jerusalem where Paul and the other disciples and apostles are getting together and they're working through this, they're wrestling with this. What does it mean to say that there are certain things that we're going to have to move beyond in order for us to truly embrace what Christ has done for us? 
the false teachers are saying that there is something else that can be between you and God's loving, saving grace. Paul's teaching is there is nothing because Christ, when he died on the cross, he removed all those barriers. So with this idea that you have to find something to come to God through, aside from God's grace in Christ Jesus, these false teachers, it begins to challenge the virtue of the gospel. It begins to challenge this idea that we are saved by grace through faith. We are not saved by circumcision. We are not saved by how often we wash our hands or how often we eat kosher, things like that. Those are not the things that save us. The things that save us are God's love and grace and mercy in our lives and our acceptance of that. The virtue of the gospel has to hinge upon the idea that Christ has already accomplished all of the work. He's done all the things that have to be done in order for us to be saved. All that we must do is accept it. But friends, is that easy? Please say no. It's not easy. We want it to be harder. We think that we have to have more skin in that game. And we must be very, very careful. When we zoom out, we realize that this brings into tension the idea of legalism versus forgiveness. Legalism is that idea that means you've got to follow the rules. Forgiveness frees us up in the love and the grace of God to be about doing the things, even sometimes the hard things, the scary things, because of who Jesus is. So I want us to look at these three main themes in Galatians as we come to grips with this idea about the problem of legalism. Legalism, as it particularly pertained to circumcision, uh, had to be overcome. But again, as I talk about zooming out, we realize that legalism isn't just about following the rules. We cannot be saved simply by following the rules. Now, again, what this does not mean that we do not need or have any guardrails in our life, in our relationship life with God, with self, or with other people. Because once we recognize that we are saved, there is a call and a responsibility for us to be different, to be changed, to be transformed. To live like Christ lives in the world. Note, I said lives. So the idea that we cannot be saved by following rules frees us up from that. From all the times that we miss and miss the rules. But does that free us for living faithful and appropriate lives on the other side of salvation? No, absolutely not. In fact, once we know that we are part of God's family, we must be set apart. That word is also holy. That word is also awesome. Seriously, we must be set apart to live with and for and through God. That's not our salvation. That is the response to salvation. Does that make sense? Good, because if it didn't, I was going to jump off the stage and do some crowd surfing. So I'm glad it made sense for all of our sakes. Legalism is not how we are saved. Salvation in the Jewish sense that Paul was trying to fight and work through here uh, is seen kind of like a spiritual bank account. Where at the first of the week, you get all of your righteousness imparted into your bank account. And then with each sin, there's a debit. With each good work, there's a credit. And you live like that all week long, and hopefully by the time you get to the Sabbath, 
you have more credits than debits. But if you were to faithfully observe the Sabbath completely and totally, guess what? It cancels out your debt and it starts all over the next week. This would seem to me as a terribly difficult way to live. You're constantly having to say, oh, you know, I'm down one here, I'm up one here, oh, I'm down 19 here, I'm only up two now. You, you, you're in this ledger thing. What we come to know through the New Testament and through the Scripture is that our ledger is always going to be in the red. You hear that? Our ledger is always going to be in the red. There's nothing you can do about that. Because in the eyes of God, those things that we do without even thinking about them, the things that happen when we think we're being completely private, right? Those moments when we think we're all alone and nobody can see, no one can know what's happening. God knows. And there may be ledgers coming off of that. And you're not even aware of it. And there's not enough good that you can do in the world to undo all the bad that you've done. And friends... One of the reasons that is true is because when we are living in that type of a mindset, our approach at doing good isn't to do good for the sake of being good and doing good. It's with a self-serving motivation. Do you think that honors God? No. He wants us to do all things as though we're doing it for him. Not to do good works to try to balance our ledger. And so we've got to be free from that. And then we look at all the red in the ledger, and when we accept in faith what God has done for us, what is the red? Come on. It's the blood of Jesus that has come and covered all of our sinfulness, all of our waywardness, all of our mistakes, all of our misgivings. The red in our ledger isn't our sin, but is the salvation that comes to us through the blood of Jesus Christ. That, my friends, is why we must respond and live differently as a result of the love and the grace of God. The love that is the gospel. Because the gospel is love. You are saved not based on the things that you've done, but on what Jesus did. There's nothing you can do to earn your salvation except for receiving what God has done for you and his son and our savior, Jesus Christ. So we've got to have the faith to live into it. We've got to have the faith to live into it. As strange as it seems, that human nature that we keep coming back to, we want it to be harder than it is. Oh, I understand, Pastor, that I can't earn it, but can I do something? We still want to try to find a way to put it back on ourselves. To put it back on our shoulders to give us that sense of responsibility that there's some way that we could earn or deserve the salvation that we've been given. Friends, that is not the gospel. It's not based on who you are. It's based on who Jesus is. It's not based on what you've done. It's based on what Jesus did. It's all him. All of it. Because here's the reality. Every single person in this room, from our newest to our most seasoned, has a sin problem in their life. We want it to be about self. We want the world and the universe and all of creation to revolve 
around us. This is how we are born, called original sin. And this is how the world relates to us in our infancy. We cry, the world moves. We're hungry, the world feeds. We're messy, the world changes us. Now, the world may seem small. Right? Mom and dad, brother, sister, grandparents, friends. But the world revolves around us. And we get this thought, this feeling that that's exactly how it should be. We should grow out of this at some point. But the reality is, is that we don't. We just grow into it in new and unique ways. God knew this. And he knew from the time Adam and Eve succumbed to temptation in the Garden of Eden that he would have the sin problem to deal with. And because of the sin of humanity, God knew the only way that the sin problem for humanity could be fixed was for him to come and fix it himself. But God cannot and will not violate his own nature. God isn't just going to say, ah, your sin's not a big deal. Because God's perfect, God's holy, God can have nothing to do with sin. So what God decided to do was to set forth a plan in motion through his son and our savior Jesus. Who would come to be born as the most vulnerable, scandal-ridden baby that he was. To take on the penalty of sin. That separation from God. To pay a debt he didn't owe. To offer you a gift you couldn't earn. And it's because of that love that God had for you and me and Jesus Christ that Jesus Christ walked up the hill of Calvary with that cross on his back. And he allowed himself to be nailed to that cross. And in that so doing, he took all of the sin of the world on his shoulders. And as he died and he hollered out, hollered out, it is finished. He wasn't just talking about his life or his breathing or his muscle spasms or twitches on the cross. He was talking about the weight of sin over your life and my life and all of our lives collectively. Jesus was buried on the third day. God raised him from the grave as a way to prove that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And so now, when we believe that Jesus is God's one and only son, he died for our sins. He paid that debt that we could never pay. When we believe in him, we have that gift of salvation. That's it. Friends, that part of human nature that we have to struggle with is we want it to be harder than it is. But Jesus has already shouldered the hard work on the cross. We look at our ledger, we see that it's full of red. Jesus says that red is my blood that is poured out for you and for many in the forgiveness of sins. And it is in that forgiveness of sins that you find your salvation. So if you've not yet received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior to believe in him, to repent, turn away from your old, worn out, burned out way of living, don't let today pass you by. The message of the gospel is that we are sinners. God loves us. God forgives us of our sins and sets us forth to be different, to be set apart, to be holy, and to be awesome in the world. And this is all because of who he is and what he's done for you and for me in Christ Jesus. So again, if you have not yet received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, do not let today pass you by. If you received it days or decades ago but got off the path and want to commit or recommit your life to live for Jesus, to be set apart, to be holy, to be awesome for Jesus, today would be a great opportunity to get right back on that path. Or if you feel as though you are walking in some type of tension between following the rules and living responsibly and 
in response to how God saved you in Christ Jesus and would like someone to pray or talk with you, come let me know. I'll be right down here in the front. Nothing would bring me more joy as we start this series in Galatians to help you experience the fullness and the power and the love of God's grace for you and his one and only son and our Savior Jesus. Amen. As the band comes forward, let's pray together. Almighty God, I thank you for today and I thank you for this message that we have seen, felt, heard, and see lived out in our lives. It is so true that we have these moments of just incredible revelation about how you've come for us and you've forgiven us and then so quickly we, we turn away from it. We allow our mind and our lives to be filled with the lessons from false teachers that try to tell us there's something else that we've got to do. There's some other thing that we've got to accomplish in order to receive what you've done for us and forgive us for that because it's not about following the rules that we find our salvation, but we find that we are called to live differently because we are saved. And so help us not to slip into those old patterns which question and challenge the validity and the virtue of the gospel, but instead help us to see that you love us and you want us to respond in faith because our salvation comes to us through your grace activated by our faith. So bless us, keep us, help us in that commitment to realize we cannot save ourselves, but in receiving you, Almighty God, we receive the joys of eternity. I ask this in the holy, helping, healing name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We are glad that you stopped by. Again, we want to encourage you to visit us online at placeofhope.org. If you're in the Paulding County area there, you can get service times, directions, and information about all of our awesome activities for children, for students, and for adults. Again, Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him, and we hope to provide you the heart fuel you need to follow Jesus. Thanks again.